0: A newly discovered archive of documents reveals the sugar industry's efforts to shape the national research agenda away from the effects of sugar on tooth decay and push for programs that focus on alternatives to reducing consumption. We spoke to Kristen Kearns, a University of California San Francisco postdoctoral scholar who discovered the papers about her research how the agenda of the National Institute of Dental Health became aligned with the sugar industries, and how industry can subvert research agendas to protect their economic interest at the expense of public health. Kristen, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So we're going to talk about the sugar papers and and what they tell us about how industry can seek to subvert research around a... A public health issue to protect its own economic interest. But let's start with the sugar industry itself. When you refer to the sugar industry, who are you talking about? Who makes up this industry in the context of the papers?
1: The organization that we're studying relative to the sugar papers is called the Sugar Research Foundation and it was formed in 1943 based in the US and it represented cane and beet sugar producers, so the makers of table sugar or sucrose and this organization, the Sugar Research Foundation, is related to current organizations today, the Sugar Association which is based in Washington, D.C. and their mission is to promote the role of sugar in nutrition, and then their sister organization, the World Sugar Research Organization, which is based in London and represents the international cane and beet sugar industry.
0: Well, your study was based on an archive of industry documents. What were these documents, and how were they discovered?
1: Well, I happened to discover them after many months of research, trying to understand how the sugar industry might have impacted health advice that we give, uh, particularly for diabetics, through government policy. And I was able to locate this source of documents at the University of Illinois Archive, and it came from the files of Roger Adams, who was a chemist, a well-known chemist, who served as a scientific advisor to the Sugar Research Foundation between 1959 and 1971. And so all the correspondence that he received from the Sugar Research Foundation, he kept in a file. And when his records were donated to the archive, uh, the Sugar Research Foundation papers were were held there.
0: The controversy you look at in, in this has to do with the National Institute of Dental Research's plan to eradicate tooth decay that was taking shape in the late 1960s and the influence the sugar industry had on shaping that agenda. What was understood about the role of sugar in tooth decay at that time?
1: Well, sucrose in particular was getting a lot of attention in the 1960s because it was thought to be uh, even more of a culprit in tooth decay than other sugars. Uh, sucrose had a role in uh, causing bacteria to form particularly sticky plaque. So this plaque forming on your teeth was really tenacious and would cause what's called smooth surface tooth decay. And the researchers were becoming aware that like I said, sucrose more than any other sugar, was particularly harmful. That's not particularly the case. However, now we sort of understand that that many types of sugars are related to tooth decay. But at the time, there was particular focus on sucrose. So the cane and beet sugar industry was really under scrutiny for their product at that time. And so that's why the sugar industry uh, looked at Trying to influence the NIH research agenda,
0: and actually, well before that, the sugar industry itself understood and acknowledged that that was a a fact of life that that this is this fuels tooth decay.
1: That's right. Um, as I mentioned, the Sugar Research Foundation was formed in 1943, and they'd actually done tooth decay research prior to the 60s. In 1950 in their annual report, they were very clear of what their mission was regarding tooth decay, which was to discover effective means of controlling tooth decay by methods other than restricting carbohydrate intake. So they were aware that their product was harmful to teeth, but they put their efforts into trying to find other methods to control tooth decay that didn't require reducing sugar consumption.
0: Well, ultimately, the plan to eradicate tooth decay in a decade didn't include reducing the consumption of sugar. I I imagine some might argue in terms of the plan, for whatever reasons, this didn't seem practical or necessary, but is there a smoking gun, some indication that industry actually got that removed from the plan?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say that you could exactly say it like that. Uh, I think that the NIDR and the sugar industry, what we saw is that they were very aligned in their agendas. So both organizations at the time didn't view reducing sugar consumption as being a practical public health measure. Perhaps that's because there was other research suggesting, such as what the sugar industry was funding, which was looking at creating enzymes that could be added to foods or a mouthwash that would help break up the plaque. Uh, The sugar industry was also funding work on a tooth decay vaccine. And so what I think happened is the industry sort of helped prop up the potential of this research saying we can end tooth decay if we can create these enzymes, if we can find this tooth decay vaccine, so that it won't be necessary to reduce sugar consumption. So perhaps there was a little too much optimism about these research strategies during that time.
0: So the, the final plan that, that emerged, what, what did it include and how successful was it 10 years later?
1: Well, what we found was when the NIDR released their first request for research contracts, that they actually incorporated about three-quarters of a sugar industry document into that plan. So essentially, almost verbatim or slightly paraphrased, the first research priority agenda related to tooth decay in this National Caries Program was taken directly from sugar industry reports. Looking back 10 years later, you know, Was tooth decay halted as the NIH was predicted? Well, certainly it wasn't. Tooth decay continues to be the number one chronic disease in the U.S. in children and adolescents. And many of the research strategies that were propped up as being uh, potentially terrific, such as the enzymes, the vaccines, there were also strategies to look at adding phosphates to foods to try and reduce the acidity level in the mouth, many of those things didn't pan out. We weren't able to find a tooth decay vaccine. Adding phosphates to sugars or to other foods didn't work. The enzymes didn't work. So all this money uh, that was put into these research strategies didn't ultimately end up serving public health.
0: So you, you mentioned, you just made one point that I just want to go back to. I think some listeners may think of tooth decay as somewhat of a trivial matter. How serious a problem is it?
1: Well, like I said, it's the number one chronic disease in children and adolescents in the U.S. It's maybe underappreciated because it is not a life-threatening disease. However, there are cases of children dying from an infection related to tooth decay. Uh, But I think there is a misperception of how significant the burden of oral disease is. Um, I spent most of my clinical years working in a clinic serving primarily low-income patients in inner-city Denver, and uh, the burden of disease that I saw day in and day out was really just overwhelming.
0: And ultimately, the the bigger point isn't about tooth decay and sugar, but about industry's efforts to subvert research to protect its own economic interests. You draw parallels with what the tobacco industry did with regards to the dangers of smoking. What lessons should be drawn and why should this serve as a warning to public health officials and policymakers?
1: Well, I think that this is an example of how sophisticated the sugar industry has been to protect their own interests. I think that We look at current examples today with some of the taxation strategies on sugar-sweetened beverages, and we see the American Beverage Association launching their opposition to these measures, but we don't really understand how sophisticated these industries have been to actually influence the research and influence the debates on a much more um, important level. So I think that as we're having conversations about policies today, particularly related to the World Health Organization's guideline on added sugars that was just released a few months ago, um, which industry is opposing. So the WHO has recommended that uh, in your daily diet, you consume less than 10% of added sugars, and even better would be to consume less than 5% of your calories from added sugars. And, of course, the industry is opposing these measures. So it's really important to consider the position that the industry is coming from as we're trying to implement these types of policies.
0: So uh, this is a a fight that continues today as, as health organizations around the world try to do things they haven't been successful at doing for the past 40 years?
1: That's exactly right. The World Health Organization has attempted to implement this added sugars policy in one form of or another since 1989, and the industry has fought it every step of the way.
0: And, and does the industry still fund research, or they still exert uh, influence over research agendas?
1: Uh, the World Sugar Research Organization does continue to fund research. They typically look at funding review papers that will support the sugar industry's position. You can go to their website, Uh, WSRO.org, and look up their position papers, exactly what they think about all the issues related to the health effects of sugars. So they are continuing to influence the debate.
0: Kristen Kearns, a UCSF postdoctoral scholar and lead author of the study published in PLOS Medicine on the sugar industry's influence on the scientific agenda of the National Institute of Dental Research's 1971 National Caries Program. Kristen, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you.